Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will finish the sermon series entitled, Faith is the Victory, with Part 10, Christ versus Lust. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Now, here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray. God, as your holy people, we are here. Speak, Lord, your servants. Do hear. Christian life is not drudgery, not a misery. It is the greatest joy we can have in this world. It is only a Christian who sins, who finds Christian life to be miserable. But we find your will to be delight. Your son said, my food is to do the will of God and to finish it. And help us to say the same thing. My food, my pleasure, my delight, my strength, my goal, my joy is to know the will of God and to do it. In the name of Jesus, amen. This morning, I'm going to speak on the subject of epithumia. Epithumia. This will be last in the series on faith. Epithumia means last evil desire. We have been speaking on faith and certain heart attitudes that are harmful to the life of faith. The word epithumia, the Greek word, can be used for good desire as well as evil desire that is contrary to the revealed will of God. Most of its use in the New Testament refers to desire that is contrary to the will of God. The urges of our bodies are not evil in themselves. But when these urges are satisfied contrary to the will of God, they become sinful. Sex outside of marriage is sinful. Eating food by stealing is evil. Eating too much food is sinful. Drunkenness is sinful. Working for too much money is sinful. Because such a person is a worshipper of mammon, money. The Tenth Commandment prohibits lust, covetousness. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant, his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So epithumia is evil desire of our body opposed to the will of God. In the wilderness, God provided Israel with manna daily for their physical needs. Yes, he forgot to give them variety, but he did give them food. Yet they murmured against God due to their evil lust. So we read in Numbers chapter 11, they lusted, craved for other food. They spoke against the Lord, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. 
also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Turn with me to the to Psalms, 106th Psalm, which gives a commentary on this situation. 106th Psalm, verse 14 and 15. In the desert they gave in to their lust, craving. Now I was told, he said, never experienced this. I was told that pregnant people have cravings. Sometimes even to eat clay. In the desert they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. So we read in Exodus 16, if only we had died in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Let me tell you, sin, lust, confuses reality. I remember later on they said, the spies, 12 spies said, we saw them as giants, but we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Lust causes us to see reality in a twisted manner. Grasshopper syndrome. Melon is praised, manna despised. Life of slavery in Egypt is praised. Life with God in the wilderness is despised. Ephesians 4.22 speaks about desires that deceive. And you read Numbers 11 verse 34. God gave them meat for one whole month. And while they were eating, God became angry and killed them. And buried them. Turn with me to First John chapter 2. Let me read to you from verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, and now they are listed. The lust of the flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. This is what the world is all about. Comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its lusts pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. And he tells us in 1 John 5:19, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We are the church called out from the world, from the sphere of Satan's dominion. From all these lusts, we are called out, redeemed. And Jesus said in John 8:44, You belong to your father, the devil, and you decide to carry out your father's desires, my own translation. But Jesus carried out the desires of his heavenly father. And as God's children, we carry out the desire of our heavenly father in heaven. But the wicked of the world continually, 24-7, carry out the desire of their father, the devil. They have no freedom to say no to the desire of the devil registers itself in the body. So let's turn to Romans 12. There you find the theology of it. 12, 
Romans 6, 12 through 14. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires to obey its epithumia. Lusts. Plural. Lusts. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. But rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Here we are told what to do. As God's people died with Christ, buried with Christ, raised with Christ to live a new life. We are told certain imperatives. First, do not let rain, sin reign in your mortal bodies to obey its epithumia, lusts. Second, do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Third, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And fourth, Offer the parts of your body to God as instruments of righteousness. So what do we learn from this passage? A few things. Number one, keep this in mind. Sin is not dead in Christians. New Christian or old Christian, sin is not dead in us. And we wrestle with sin all our life till death. The flesh is with us. You cannot cast out flesh by calling Benny Hinn or somebody else. Number two, sin exercises its power in and through our mortal bodies. Number three, sin may reign or dominate our mortal bodies. I said may. Number four, sin does not need to dominate our lives. Number five, we are free. We are capable of offering our bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. A freedom that an unbeliever does not have. He is like an automaton, always doing the will of his father, the devil. He can never say no to that evil desire that registers in his consciousness. We say a pagan is non posse, non pecare. Not possible not to sin. Now let's turn to the book of Ephesians. There are many scriptures I can give it to you to prove that the pagan can only sin. And he sins always. He has no freedom to do anything differently. The classic passage is Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to life, that's pre-Christian life, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, that's evil spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedience or those who are sons of disobedience. All of us also lived among them at one time. What is it? Gratifying the cravings, the lusts, the epithumia of our sinful nature. And following its desires and thoughts. Complete obedience to the command of the devil. Through evil lusts. 
can also read Titus 3 and verse 3, but we don't have time. But as Christians, posse non peccare, we have freedom given to us by God to say no to sin and no to the devil, no to our lusts, and live in fulfillment of the desires of God. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 4. Now let me read to you, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he has suffered in his body, is done with sin. Christ died, and we died with him. Christ died to sin, we died to sin. Sin is not dead, we died to sin. We are finished with it in Christ. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human lusts. That's Christian life. In Christian life, we do not live our Christian life to do the same old thing. There's a difference, a mighty difference. Freedom! I can say no to sin and mean it. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So notice, the epithumia is opposed to the will of God. A true Christian has freedom because he is a new creation. He's been regenerated. He's been raised from the dead by the mighty power of the Spirit of God. New life, new desires, new understanding, new direction, everything new. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. Old is gone and new has come. And not only that, the Holy Spirit dwells in each believer teaching him empowering him ruling him reigning in him as God dwelt in the most holy place above the mercy seat in between the cherubim and he ruled Israel and the temple was holy always holy don't you know we are told 1 Corinthians 6 19 and 20 that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. The body is for the service of the Lord, and the Lord is for the service of the body. Isn't that wonderful? And I stand here proving the truth of that statement. I serve God. And he takes care of me in terms of all my needs. I don't go begging. My God is for my body. For my life here and now and hereafter. New creation we are. Holy Spirit dwells in us. And God graciously gave us Holy Scripture so we know the will of God. And that's what we study the will of God. I was counseling a young girl, he said to her, she plays two hours a day. I said, fine, you go ahead and play two hours, but after praying and studying the word for two hours. That was a shock. I hope that took care of it. God has given us holy scripture, and also God has given us a holy church to help us, uh, to edify us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to counsel us, uh, to strengthen us, and so on. So we are people who are made able to present the members of our body for the service of God. We put parts of our bodies at the disposal of Christ Jesus our Lord 
And what is the first part that we present to God? I say it is the mind. Mind! See, what we do comes out of what we think. As you thinketh in your heart, so are you. Look at Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that means in view of God's salvation, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. First thing is a renewed mind. And you don't renew your mind by watching television. You don't renew your mind on internet. If I'm wrong, you come and tell me, Pastor, you are wrong. I can tell you, we can renew our mind in these ways. Listening to stupid music, uh, re reading stupid books. Not only if you don't renew our mind, our mind is corrupted by these things. And then we do the things that we took in. We see, we lost, and we take. And we read to you already what the world has to offer. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boasting of things. Another gadget. You should also surrender your mouth. It is God's mouth. Put it for God's use. Not eating all that food. Hand, mouth, hand, mouth. Put hand for the service of God and then mouth. The service of God. So... We don't eat everything around us. Because it is sin. That's what it is. Because it is an addiction. Because something has mastered me. But we are told in 1 Corinthians 6 that Paul will not let anything master him. And your tongue, not for gossip and slander, but for praise and proclamation of the gospel. Your hand... He who stole, let him steal no longer, but let him what? Work with his hands, that he may have something to give. Your feet, you go home and read Romans 10, 14 and 15. Go and proclaim the gospel. The preacher is sent that I came. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news. And every part of our body should be put at the disposal of Christ's service. The body is what? For the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Secondly, let's look at some examples of people corrupted by epithumia. Addicted by epithumia. Became slaves of epithumia. And first of all, book of Genesis chapter 3, Eve. God told Eve and Adam how to live. Live through obedience, hear and do, hear and do. That's the way to live. The good life, the life of benediction, the life of blessing, the life of life, eternal. But three, Genesis 3, verse 4, 5, and 6, and so on, you will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, he's the author of all lies, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open. Now your eyes is closed. You see, you don't see things. <laughs> you must sin all of a sudden. Your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, meaning independent. You don't need to anymore hear and do. You can determine your own life 
You can go where you want to go. You can have freedom. And you will know good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. There were other trees. God provided for that purpose. But all of a sudden she is fixated and fascinated with this tree. Last of the eye. So good for food. And pleasing to the eye. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. Outside of God. She took. She ate. She gave. She died. That's what lust will do. And you look at Lot. Genesis 13, 10 through 13. His wife, we know what they loved. They loved cattle. They lived for mammon, money, culture, city life. Lot was given freedom to choose where he would go. And we are told he looked and he saw the Jordan Valley well watered he coveted he chose Jordan Valley which appeared to him like paradise I don't think Jordan Valley is paradise and we read about paradise in chapter 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation God dwelling with his people that's paradise Revelation doesn't say a thing about cattle Jordan Valley which appeared to him like paradise he pitched his tent towards Sodom he arrived in Sodom he lived in Sodom let me tell you last epithumia leads us to Sodom and destruction then we read about Esau and you read 25th chapter of Genesis 29 through 33 he went out for hunting and he comes back tired worn out and he says I am about to die that's what the Hebrew text says and what was a lie he exaggerates you see lust people exaggerates give me some of that red stuff and his brother says no problem sell me your birthright and you must understand he was the firstborn that is Esau there were two sons and when there are two sons the younger son gets nothing the older son the property is divided into two and the older son gets what both part and Jacob knew that he's not going to get anything he must get a deal and he said fine no problem sell it to me and he sold it which included not only properties but also the covenant blessings particularly the Savior coming through that line as the seed of the woman he doesn't care for covenant he doesn't care for promise he doesn't care for heaven he doesn't care for spiritual things he is a person of lust pleasures of sin for a season give it to me now what's the use of this promise this Bible this Christ this salvation he sells it very cheaply Esau was a creature of lusts. He despised, we are told, spiritual blessings. Like Cain, he would not believe God. He sells all his inheritance for a mere cup of soup. And how many teenagers have done that? Go ahead, lose your virginity and be very proud of it. And have seven abortions and be proud of it. Lust. Lust! And work three jobs and be proud of it. You are lust full of lies that's why that's why you are working on three jobs 
abandoning your wife and children and everybody else, but amassing money. Yet we read about Moses, he despised the treasures of Egypt because he treasured God's promised salvation. Read Hebrews 11 verse 26. Number four, Achan. Remember Achan? He was an Israelite. He crossed Jordan. Experienced divine miracles all those years. And he came to the promised land. He was a covenant man, yet he rejected God's word. He would rather trust in this world than in the world to come. He would rather trust in gold and silver and Babylonish garment to give him life and security. And he rejects God's word that said, do not take it. It belongs to God. Do not do it. And read Joshua 7:21. and following. He saw, he coveted, he took, he hid. 200 shekels of silver and 50 shekels of gold and a import Babylonish garment. He refused to confess his sin. His family was complicit in this. And you know what happened. They killed them and burned them. That's what happens to people who surrender themselves to the service of Satan to lust. And then we read somebody by name Samson. Have you read Judges 13 through 16 speaks about Samson. A classic case of a lustful man. He was a miracle child. He was a Nazarite from birth. And he was told not to eat grape products. Not to cut his hair. Not to touch a dead body. Yet Samson was a man of epithumia. Lust. Evil. Lust. He was a man of indulgent desires. He had no self-control. He violated God's law that prohibited marrying foreign women. He violated it. He violated Nazarite vow and he drank wine. 14.10 of Judges. The Bible prohibits going to prostitute. He goes to a prostitute. The Bible prohibits coming in touch with the dead body of a lion, especially being a Nazarite. He violated it. He was told not to cut the hair. He violates it. And we are told the Holy Spirit left him. His eyes were gouged out. He was shackled, stripped naked. And he became a slave for the Philistines. And we see there is a picture of Samson in the 16th chapter we see Samson sleeping in the lap of Delilah while she is planning to destroy him became powerless and God abandoned and I tell you if you are a Christian if you are giving yourself to lusts picture yourself sleeping in the lap of Delilah and soon the eyes will be gouged out and you'll be shackled. God will abandon you and you become a slave to lusts. This is the picture of the church today sleeping in the lap of the world, powerless and God forsaken, undiscerning. Look at David. He reads Second Samuel 11 and 12. He saw Bathsheba. We are told he coveted 
That's it. He's the wife of Uriah. I said, no matter. He had a book. He had a Bible. He said, forget about it. I am the king. I can do whatever I want. He took and he committed adultery. He covered it up, killed Uriah with the sword. He despised God and his word through lust. And God punished him. Sword shall not depart from the house. Public humiliation. Death of his son. Son Amnon through lust raped his sister Tamar. For which Absalom killed Amnon. What a miserable, wretched end. When we give ourselves to be mastered by epitomia lusts. Let's look at uh, Solomon. Maybe he's different. You read 1 Kings chapter 11. And he had a copy of the Bible too. But he rejected its terms. He was a man of lust. Not a man of God. Let's turn to 1 Kings. Speaking about lust people. It is sad to hear. What is written. In the scriptures about him. To whom God gave great wisdom. King Solomon however loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites. Ammonites. Edomites. Sidonians. Hittites. They were from nations. About which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, nevertheless, who cares what God has to say? Nevertheless, we just veto the will of God. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love, I would say lust. And verse 3, and his wives led him astray. Verse 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. I want to give you some positive examples. Look for Joseph, Genesis 39, 7 through 12. He was in Egypt as a teenager, away from parents, away from worship and sacrifice. And Potiphar's wife told him, come to bed with me, verse 7. He refused, verse 8. He says, how can I do such a wicked thing and what sin against God? He lived in the presence of God. He valued God's presence more than anything else in the world. If I sleep with you, God will abandon me. And I would rather live in the presence of God than anything else in the world. What does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? And she again said, verse 12, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house only to be thrown into a prison. But God was with him. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what. When you love God, God is with you. God blesses you. God gives you his benediction. That's all that matters. It is better to be in prison with God than in a palace at the lap of Potiphar's wife. Look at Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8. The king of Babylon assigned the Hebrew boys non-kosher food and wine. This was against the law of God. Daniel delighted in the law of God. Daniel and company would obey God and honor him in Babylon. So we read verse 8. Daniel resolved, oh, what a resolution. What a resolution. Will not change his mind. No matter what. 
resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And God helped him in his resolution to honor God and not to violate his law, even in Babylon. Look at Jesus. Jesus was tempted by the devil to dishonor his father by making bread out of stone to satisfy his hunger after 40 day fast. He would not do so. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father did not ask him to make bread out of stone. I live my, by my father's word. He didn't tell me. Eve listened to Satan against God's revelation. But here the son says, no, you didn't tell me. And I live by his word. He would rather obey his father than the devil. Later the devil spoke to Jesus through Peter not to go to Jerusalem to be killed. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not delight in the things of God, but things of men my own translation and let's look at what does the Bible say about epithomia, lust I don't have time so I just tell you, John 8:44. the source of it is the devil John 8 and verse 44 lust of our hearts we are told so lust is here with us in our mortal bodies, Romans 1 verse 24 the Bible speaks about lust of the flesh. First Timothy 6, 9, hurtful lust. Lust hurts us, destroys us, defeats us, bring us down. And James 1, verse 14, let's read that. When tempted, verse 13, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, come on. But... Each one is tempted when he, when by his own evil desire, that's in the flesh, in the, in the mortal body, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, that is when you fulfill the desire, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, full grown, gives birth to death. And you notice, it drags you. You have no power. The lust is dominant. The lust leads you. And you go like a slave as you lived previously. Before you came to know the Lord, you are dragged and enticed by lust and killed. And we are told in many places, this is the nature of the life of an unbeliever. Ephesians 2 verse 3, 1 Peter 1 14, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 3, Titus 3 and verse 3. This is the nature of the unbeliever's life. And then 2 Peter 2 10 tells us, he who lives by lusts also despises God's authority. He despises God, he despises the scripture, he despises father and mother, he despises the pastors, he will despise every authority placed upon him in order that he may live a life of lust. And the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 2.18, the false teachers, they target new believers, and the attraction is what? In my church, 
we let you sin. In the other church, they don't let you sin. But come to my church, we let you sin. We don't interfere. I was told about a, an Anglican minister. <laughs> a couple goes there, living together and all that. Somebody asked this person, now, what about this? And what is the answer? It is between them and what? Their God. Isn't that something? You go home and read Second Peter 2.18. And Second Peter 2.19. These lost teachers bait and switch. Let's turn to it anyway. Second Peter 2.19. See, they are agents of Satan. They call themselves ordained ministers. Doesn't mean anything. They promised them what? Freedom. Isn't that, you know, in this church there is no freedom. You know, do you go to that church? There is no freedom there, man. There is no freedom. That's absolutely true. There is no freedom to sin. But come to my church. We will give you freedom. But notice they promise them freedom while they themselves are what? Slaves of depravity. And now, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. That pastor is a slave to begin with. What marriage are you on? Third marriage? Fourth marriage? Come on. <laughs> and, and he's standing and he's preaching and he's telling everybody what to do. And very quickly, number four, what's the biblical solution? Let me give you some biblical solution. First, realize your freedom in Christ. And if you are not a, not a Christian, then cry out to God. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the first thing. And as a Christian, you have what? Posse non peccare, the freedom not to sin. Romans 6, 12 through 14 tells you that. You didn't have this freedom before. Now you have freedom to obey God, to love God, to think God's thoughts, to say no to sin and make it stick as Daniel did and Joseph did. Number two, live by the Holy Spirit. Not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You go home and read. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Romans 8, 4, and Galatians 5, 25. And let me read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 for you. And listen to this language. It is just amazing. Young people, listen to it. Old people, listen to this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, what is it, should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and raised again. That's what Christian life is all about. Number three, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what I said. It is an exciting life. This Pentecostal life, this charismatic life is an exciting life. And let me read to you. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, controlled by, in other words, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. This is a life of excitement, life of true joy, a life of singing. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, or whatever it was, what is it, number four? 
Be led by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 Step by step. Be led by the Spirit. Let me read it to you. Either you are going to be led by lust. Dragged. Enticed. Or you are going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we are told here. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. Are the sons of God. And he leads you. Every step of the way. Through his scripture. He brings to your mind. What God's will is. And then say do that. And he gives you power to do it. Number five. Kill lusts. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Not your own resolution. Joshua killed Canaanites. We kill sin. We are terrorists. In that sense. We terrorize. And we kill sin. In our mortal body. Colossians 3.5 and Romans 8.13. Go home and read it. Put to death. Lusts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number six. When you live a spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit produces fruit of the Spirit in your life. Galatians 5.22 and following. Love, joy, peace. And the last one, what is it? Come on. self Control, which is master control. Number seven, I want to tell you, I want to read this to you. Memorize it, believe it, do what it says. This will give you victory over sin every day of your life. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Take a look at it. So I say, St. Paul the Apostle is speaking by divine authority. So I say, live by the Spirit, or more correctly, walk by the Spirit, which is a present imperative, means keep on daily walking by the Spirit. Walk means making progress in the way of God. Steady progress, regular progress, step-by-step progress. Walk by the Spirit. Present imperative, moment by moment. Not listening to lust or cultural norms, but listening to the word and doing what it says. That's what it is. In the power of the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. That's a condition. You understand the condition? This is a condition. That means your responsibility. And he can ask you to do this responsibility because you are a new creation. You have freedom. You have the ability. See, before we didn't have the ability, now what? You have ability. And what is the guarantee? You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It is a divine promise and a divine guarantee. Now, in the Greek text, it says this. Lego de pneumati peripatete kai epitumian sarcos ume telesete. The lust of the flesh you will never, never fulfill. It's a double negative. God is guaranteeing if you do this, then this will be the result. I guarantee it. Shall we rise? Let's praise God. We are new creation. We enjoy freedom. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. We are not our own. We are redeemed by a precious price, the blood of Christ. Glorify God in your body. The body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. 
Remember Demas, what happened to him? He abandoned the gospel having loved this present world. He became a man of lust. Let me tell you, the world and its loss pass away. It's all temporary. It's doomed to destruction. Don't buy real estate in Sodom. Because it is it's not a good investment. You understand that? Those who does the will of God lives forever. Finally, lust will never satisfy you. You think it will satisfy you. You become an addict. Lust will never satisfy you. Let me read what Jesus said very simply for your meditation. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy you. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And let me read this, John 6 and verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And chapter 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Lust destroys. Jesus Christ satisfies. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to say goodbye to lust. Because lust never satisfies. Lust destroys. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for enabling us to drink the water that you have given us and to eat the manna that you have given us. You satisfy. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. Help us, O Lord, to value this freedom and this relationship. Help us from this day forward to live for Jesus alone. In his name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to part 10 of the sermon series entitled, Faith is a Victory. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.